name's Rich DeAndrea. Mm -hmm. uh, I own Rainer and DeAndrea Funeral Homes. Gotcha. Okay. And where are we now? We're in uh, West Sayville. We're on mm -hmm. the South Shore okay. here on Long Island. I have uh, a funeral home here in West Sayville and one in Bayport. Rich DeAndrea runs two funeral homes on Long Island, and last week we visited one of them to get a sense of how coronavirus is affecting Long Island's end-of-life ceremonies. And where are we in this, in terms of the funeral home? Like, what is this space here? So this is a common area. This is uh, just our, our our lobby, our hallway here, um, which typically is filled with families and people, but not so much today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a different world in our industry right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're used to servicing families and helping them to to create a celebration of uh, their loved one's life, uh, where the community can come out and support them, and and you know they kind of been robbed of that. Can't do that. So that's yeah. what we're trying to to help them navigate right now. DeAndrea was wearing a blue suit and solemn pink tie while we navigated the funeral home. A weary smile as he pointed out the sights. We walked into a big room set up with dozens of chairs. There were calming paintings on the wall, and a crucifix hung at the front. It could be switched out for different religions. In better times, this chapel and the rest of the funeral home could host pretty big gatherings. He said they could have thousands of people go through for big funerals, big crowds for 9-11 first responders or military deaths. You know, most often that's filled with pictures and memory boards and videos and... Uh, we've had Christmas trees in July and motorcycles in the chapel oh, wow. and, uh, you know, fishing poles and golf clubs and uh, oh. you name it. We've done all. We had a marching band come through the entire building and 80-piece marching band come in the front door and out the back door. We've had... Wow. So there's a lot, I think, that we try to do to, to make sure that we are honoring that person, uh, you know, and what they loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now so, it's limited, I guess. You can't do much of that. Now you can't do that. Certainly not now. I'm Mark Chisano, and this is Episode 8 of Newsday Opinion's Life Under Coronavirus podcast, an oral history of how Long Islanders are coping with and helping each other during COVID-19. Funeral homes are usually places where friends and family can help with that coping and comforting, but it's a new reality. Limits on gatherings mean all but the closest to the dead have to mourn from afar, and the sheer number of deaths means there are backlogs in cemeteries across the region. DeAndrea says that he's been totally inundated. He's splitting his team in two to mitigate the chance of infection, but still running in himself on his supposed off day to keep up with the work. Pre-coronavirus, he might average a funeral a day. Now, he's been helping four or five families daily, whether or not they elect to have ceremonies. In this unprecedented era, DeAndrea says he's tried to adapt the funeral home and the services as needed. Take that big chapel, for example, big enough for big crowds. It's now out of use. As they come in, you can see that there's an awful lot of seating, there's a lot of space for pictures and personal effects. And, right. Uh, again, to kind of create that unique celebration of who that person was and to allow the community to come in and support the family and... Uh, but for right now, we actually have a... So this is totally closed now? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's been in here uh, in more than two weeks. We walked into a smaller room that's now being used for ceremonies. Today, we're using a, a very small chapel like this one. Mm -hmm. 
there and you'll see there's nothing because we just don't want to continue to wow so we'd have the casket here you know they'd spend some time totally uh, empty. but it's pretty much it's just the family mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes that's three or four sometimes that's you know up to ten uh, maybe twelve people but yeah it's limited there were no chairs lined up in this smaller room and so here there'll be no chairs really like here there's some on the door no chairs. on the side so, but. you know we, we, we really want to limit um, for, for their benefit uh, as well as for ours mm-hmm. you know we don't want to run the risk of contaminating the area so yeah. after the family does leave so they come in they spend up to an hour I have limited uh, com- you know direct contact with them my staff just kind of open the yeah. door allow them to come in mm-hmm. to spend time here we close them in after they leave, we completely disinfect the wow. area. So wow. we have all this product that we completely disinfect everything. Um, just trying hard to, to limit exposure, you know. Very few people are allowed in. The directive right now is we're supposed to um, work within the guidelines of the, the state mandate, yeah. which right now, is, as long as they're, they're uh, abiding by social distancing, mm-hmm. so, you know, in a room like this... But we're supposed to be up to 10 people. But gotcha. what I would say is um, we're trying hard to abide by that. But, you know, if it's a family that has four children uh-huh. and, and eight grandchildren to uh-huh. say that they can't have 12 is, is very tough. But we're, we're, right. we're trying hard to abide by that. Sure. But sure. it is just immediate family. These restrictions, many of them fluid, are carrying over to cemeteries. A Calverton spokesman said the cemetery is temporarily suspending the practice of families witnessing interments beginning this week. St. Charles has encountered burial delays and put in new procedures like staggering arrival times, according to a spokesman there. DeAndrea said he's seeing some backups. There are some backups at the cemeteries, especially the cemeteries that do quite a bit of volume, like the National Cemetery. So Calverton, as I was saying, you know, they're trying hard to meet the needs right now. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, their staff has been limited probably due to the virus. But, uh, yeah, they, they were backed up quite a bit. And then you know, cemeteries that, um, like uh, St. Charles Cemetery is part of the Diocese of Brooklyn. Hmm. They're also, they're, they're limited in the amount of burials that they can handle per day. And this all affects the funeral homes. And what does that Which, mean on your end? It becomes problematic. It's kind of a domino effect, you know, because, so now we want to have a brief service and then a burial right away. Now, if we can't, if we call today on Thursday to schedule a burial at St. Charles, and it, we can't do it until uh, you know a week from Monday, ten days from now, uh, eleven days from now. Then, then that backs us up. We don't have the facility really to hold on to the human remains until then. Hospitals now their morgues are being overrun, so you know maybe we wouldn't move the person from the place of death until we know that we can have a burial or a cremation. So the morgues now are all full and and becoming over overwhelmed so it's a domino effect it's tough how many how many uh, human remains can you store here at once um quite a few if we needed to probably you know i i don't know uh, we have we have refrigeration here and then we have uh, area where we can hold them after preparation has been done so we probably could store maybe 20. Uh, yeah, maybe 20.
we walked around some of the other areas of the funeral home. We didn't go to the part where they care for the bodies. DeAndrea said they're taking precautions when handling remains, wearing personal protective equipment as usual. He thinks their caution is sufficient, and it's over the top to say, require extra coverage for bodies of COVID patients. Once the person has passed, uh, our understanding at least is that, um, you know, we, we do take all the precautions necessary. The body is disinfected. The person is, uh, is shrouded. The person is casketed. The casket is sealed. There are some parts of the funeral home that are less about the body and the casket and more about the people mourning. We have an uh, area for folks to be. We do... Um, you know, some people are down here, they have light refreshments, things like that. Right. They have a room for kids to be... Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so that as... Uh, like a playroom, sort of like a... Yeah, it is kind of a quiet room for them to be, because that's always awkward, right, for kids. The playroom had a toy fire truck and stuffed animals and pictures of boats and trees. The point is to try to make people as comfortable as they can be while they're mourning. Even in that little room that families are using for ceremonies now, there's lamps against the walls. A funeral home, I think uh, you're trying to create a a home-like, homey atmosphere that is not cold, that's not institutional, that's not so that that people can come, they feel comfortable, they're they're here where they can greet their friends and family members and and not be in an institutional-type setting. So uh, years ago, you know, Funerals services were held at the home. Today, that's not as practical for a lot of reasons, but yeah, that, I think that's what you try to create, kind of a, a warm, warmer uh, atmosphere. With coronavirus, families are sitting shivas and having funerals over Zoom and trying to make the best of things, to have that kind of send-off as best they can. For those that do have a physical ceremony, DeAndrea noted something a little jarring. For even close family members the funeral home might be the first time they had seen their dead relative in weeks. What families are telling us, you know, that they've been in the hospital now two, two and a half weeks, and mm-hmm. they haven't been able to see them in that time either because the hospitals don't allow wow. visitors, not even God. spouse or children. So they go to the hospital, you know, two weeks later they pass away. Yeah. And, and sometimes they can't even see them in the funeral home you know some some funeral homes aren't aren't doing that so we're trying hard to accommodate the family so at least they have that closure uh, because then again many times they can't go to the cemetery so it's almost like your dad went to the hospital three weeks ago and we never saw him again and there was a burial and no one could be there i asked deandrea if he had a sort of motto or directive as a funeral director in good times and bad well, it's, it's very gratifying, to be honest, because, you know, so I grew up here in a small community, but you're in a unique position to help them through what I think is probably the, one of the toughest times in anyone's life when you deal with the illness and death of somebody that passes, and we're in a position to help them, kind of guide them through that initial uh, that initial period surrounding the death and helping them to celebrate that person's life in a unique way where we try to create just that, you know, a celebration, try to give them space where the community can come out and support them and, uh, and show their, their support for them and their family and, and share stories. And, uh, you know, I think that that's what it's about, you know, telling the story of the person that's no longer with us uh, in a unique way. 
trying to celebrate what was unique about them. And, uh, and I like that uh, aspect of it. I feel like I'm in a, a privileged spot to be able to do it. Thanks for listening to Life Under Coronavirus. If you know of someone we should be covering or you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543. That's 631-213-1543 with your message to the Opinion Department's Life Under Coronavirus podcast. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. Amanda Ficina is our producer. And once again, I'm Mark Cesano from Newsday Opinion. Stay healthy. See you next time.